0: hello well good morning good afternoon or good evening whatever time it is for you i guess when you're listening to this welcome to my new podcast this is an introductory episode so i'm pretty new to this but i promise i'll get better with time as the weeks go on the premise of my podcast is to show you a new way of thinking really and how to approach life It's the one I personally use to completely shift the direction of my life and it's where the name comes from, Limitless Thinking. While I was searching for meaning in life, I took a course on exactly that, a philosophy one called The Meaning of Life, and in that course I came across multiple theories that ended up blending right together into the one I used here. I realized that life on its own doesn't have a meaning. Just living as it is doesn't create any meaning in your life, it's just life. You simply exist. Therefore, I concluded that the meaning of life is to create meaning, and the best way to do that is by consistently bettering yourself as a person, or the way I like to put it, consistently surpassing your current limitations and attempt to actualize your full potential. That is my first official quote, by the way, I think it's pretty cool to have a quote. Hopefully. I come up with a couple more decent ones, at least. Throughout this uh, this podcast, the first portion of it at least, I wanna go further in depth into that theory as I add to my book. I'm writing a book uh, that's definitely more in depth than the podcast on similar things, but it's there's a lot more detail. The book itself covers what I believe to be the nine key factors this form of logic and applying it to your everyday life and that'll be in a way that creates and essentially forces success in the desired field it doesn't have to specifically be used for finance or law the fields I work in you could use these skills for anything really this sort of ideology and I think that's really cool the episodes are gonna be weekly and I guess you could think of them as an essay format I'm gonna have an introduction on this week's topic, bring up some cool points that go along with it and then give examples that kind of back it up. And of course you need the conclusion. I used to get in so much trouble because I would put no effort into my conclusions, just smack them together to get an assignment done. And my teachers weren't having it, but I'll, I'll work on the conclusions this time. As for the nine core values, It'll definitely take more than a week each, maybe a month, not too sure, I guess we'll go with it. And consider this introduction almost like your course syllabus, or an outline if you will. Ironically enough, I'm writing this on the bus to my first uh, course of the year, marketing. I appreciate you joining me on this journey of self-improvement. I've always wanted to create something like this and I guess I'm pushing against my own limits by doing this because I always had a fear that it wouldn't be taken seriously or I'd give up on it. But here we are. So I guess it's a journey for all of us. I'm glad to see that the first portion there didn't bore you to death or make you switch to something more entertaining. You guys ever seen the Impulsive podcast? say some questionable things, but it's pretty fun. I didn't want to make that first bit too long. I didn't want to turn into some professor there. We've all been through early classes at the start of the year, and those introductions can take forever. Going through what the course is going to be like. That being said, I do want to go over uh, the nine core values. Kind of give you an idea of what this will be like and get your brain going a little, thinking about it. So the first chapter is limitation. What even are limits? Why are they in our lives? How do we surpass them and how do we know we're approaching them? For me personally, I get a knot in my stomach as if I'm gonna be sick, I get slightly nauseous. When I'm getting close to my limits, if I'm working on an assignment that's just driving me nuts, I can't figure it out, I can't manage to finish it getting close to my max reps for a workout. I get, I get that feeling that's how I know the real work's about to begin because if I do a little more, the next time it's going to be easier. Doing that every time just causes exponential growth. That leads into the next chapter, integration. And I remember before I understood integration and knew more about it, I tried going from having absolutely no structure to my day whatsoever, to making myself wake up at 5.30, to get a morning workout in, a shower, do some productive reading and studying, all before I started an eight hour shift for work. And then after it, I'd study some more, I was gonna stay on top of things this time. I think I lasted three days, maybe four. (laughs) And I just did too much at once. I think I went to bed late. One night and it all fell apart. So we, integration talks about how to implement new things into our day-to-day lives and how to make a much more fluid change that won't cause us to crash and burn and have to start all over again. Because that's just counterproductive. It sets us further back than where we started and we wouldn't want that. That leads into malice management. I'm not entirely sure how I came up with that name but I do like the sound of it. And that's handling the crap life throws at us, all the unfortunate situations that we gotta deal with, because let's face it, there's a lot of them. It's taking the good from them and moving past it, making the most out of it. For example, my brother gave me a MacBook Pro that he no longer uses. And I thought, this was great, I get to save a couple thousand dollars, I'm buying my own however a week into me using it for studies it it's been crashing battery won't last it's been a mess so in the end I still ended up having to buy a new one but I do get the nice MacBook Air I've been wanting for a while so I can't really complain and now I guess I have another Mac in case I ever need it then we look at intelligence I think that'll be the hardest one to really create and understand because what even is intelligence? How do you know someone's intelligent or knowledgeable? How do you measure it or define it? Like I said, I work in corporate legislation and litigation. And if I went up to a friend of mine that's a farmer and told them about a case I'm currently working on and told them about the laws around it and the issues and whatever. They'd look at me like a lost dog and be dumbfounded. But as soon as I'm done, if they started telling me about a great new fertilizer they've created, I'm gonna have no clue what they're talking about. I'm not gonna understand why it helps their harvest or why it's better than one they used to buy. I'll be the idiot in that sense. Does that mean we're both dumb? We're unintelligent? Who knows? Then we look at time. Not only managing it, but really understanding the value of it. One of my favorite quotes, ironically enough, comes from a cartoon. Arthur. I used to watch that religiously as a kid. I grew up on it and loved it. And I say it's ironic because this is meant to be a serious podcast, yet I'm quoting a cartoon. Anyways, Arthur's mom is at the supermarket and she runs into the rich guy from the neighborhood who owns a car dealership. They have a quick chat, very quick, about work and whatnot, and he cuts it short, run, going to leave, saying, I gotta run. No amount of money will buy back a second. And that's always stuck with me because it's, it's very true. Unless we create time travel somehow, but I don't think that's possible. And I think that blends perfectly with the next chapter called Livelihood. You gotta live your life. Can't, can't forget to live your life while you're trying to be better or become more successful or whatever your heart desires. I've done it and it was awful. It led to some of my worst depressive episodes that I've had. And it's just not a, a path worth treading. Take my word for it. So we talk about really understanding what your time is worth and where you should allocate it and tips and tricks. I guess we'll call them on how to manage it properly, along with some tools that are available for free. Then we look at efficiency, but not the normal definition of efficiency. I call it the corporate definition, taking something that would normally take a day and doing it in two hours. That's not what we care for here. We care for being able to consistently do your work and doing it well and efficiently, but not to the point where you hate it and suck the joy out of it because you're just trying to get it done as quickly as possible. I used to love the concept of accounting. And my first corporate job was working with a private company directly with their CFO and CEO in their accounting department. And they gave me some introductory work. And my idea was, If I get through this really quick and do it right, they'll give me more important things to do, which they did. After I followed through with that plan, I got to do some financial analyses for the company where I was sort of watched over, making sure I wasn't screwing anything up. But when they stopped needing those reports from me, I was essentially still expected to get through my work very quickly because that's the bar I had set. They ended up asking me to aid in the redesign of a website, which I had no clue what I was doing and that was awful. I do not recommend trying to make a website from scratch for a company with roughly 4,500 products on shelves right now Um, to anyone. I would not wish that on my worst enemy, unless that is something you enjoy. By all means, you can take my old job. Then we wanna look at sociological standards. And these last two chapters, I like that they're at the end because the other seven are things we can control. These ones we can't really, especially this one. We talk about the pressure of the standards placed on us by society that I think are completely subjective. I say that because if we lived in a third world country or went back a hundred years, The standards are so different from what's expected from us. If you went to a third world country, no one expects you to become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or an investment banker, a nurse, whatever it may be. If you go back 100 years, that level of success wasn't expected either. Different races and ethnicities have different expectations for their children, and that's all just on a bit of chance of where you grow up and what your background is. That's why I call them subjective. And we look at how to pick and choose which ones you really value and how to make that choice without offending or disrespecting the people that matter to you if you're not accepting some of their standards. The last one is success. And this might be one of the most important questions I've asked myself and in general, what even is success? How do we measure it? How do we know we've attained it? We're successful, quote-unquote. And I want to link it to the word satisfaction because I think they go hand in hand. I tr- I believe that no one will ever feel successful if they're not satisfied with what they've done. There's a lot of stories that I'll touch base on in the podcast and the book of people who made a lot of money investing, They started hedge funds, were having amazing returns, and they got greedy, they wouldn't be satisfied, and they end up in jail for crossing some lines to keep making more, and they lose it all. They're the complete opposite of what anyone may define success as. Broke criminal record, and they can't get a job that they spent their life working on. So the chapters end up being limitation, integration, malice management, intelligence, time, livelihood, efficiency, sociological standards, and success. Now, I promise this isn't a coincidence, but if you take the first letter of each chapter, put a period in between it, spells out an acronym, and that spells limitless. So I welcome you again to Limitless Thinking. Thank you for sticking around for the entire first episode. I look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.